Hi there, and welcome to One Body, One Life, proudly sponsored by Jamae's Fine Foods. I'm Vicky Nguyen, and I'm on a personal mission to live to 120, and I would absolutely love to take you on this journey with me. This fortnightly show is focused on longevity and understanding how we can all live longer and stronger through diet, exercise, lifestyle, nutrition, and so on. Each episode, we will uncover tips and tricks to living your healthiest and happiest life for as long as physically possible. I'll be chatting to the experts as well as people who have defied the odds and explore various treatments and modalities to help us all reach optimal wellness. So today I get to talk all things homeopathy with the very lovely Dr. Isaac Golden. Dr. Isaac has been a homeopathic practitioner since 1984. Prior to that, he worked in financial accounting and taxation. From 1992 to 98, Isaac was president of the Victorian branch of the Australian Homeopathic Association, which is Australia's largest national organisation of professional homeopaths. And in 1999, he was awarded the Association's Distinguished Service Award for his many years of service to the Australian Homeopathic Association and for his significant contributions to the homeopathic profession in Australia. Isaac has been teaching homeopathy for 24 years and is the founder and director of the Australasian College of Hanumanian Homeopathy. He also has his own practice, the Orem Healing Centre in Melbourne, and I'm really excited to talk to Isaac today. So I actually first came across Dr. Isaac Golden in 2002 when I first had my son, Jermaine, when he was born. Um, the first thing I did was buy myself a homeopathic first aid kit because I'd done a lot of reading about homeopathics and the fact that they were pretty much tasteless. So a great remedy to to give to children considering they didn't taste like anything. So, And in that little kit came a booklet which was titled The Treatment of Simple Everyday Conditions, and it was written by Dr. Isaac Golden. Um, and in those early years when our children were little and developing and their teeth were cutting through and they had temperatures or fell over and hurt their knees or whatever, that little book was my Bible and, um, and homeopathics were everything. So uh, yeah, I'm really grateful for Isaac's time and looking forward to hearing more about the world of homeopathics. Thank you very much for those kind words. And I just wanted you to right. tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you ended up here, coming from taxation and financial accounting, and now ending up as or landing as the most amazing homeopath Australia and potentially the globe has seen. I do know a lot about some parts of homeopathy, which no doubt we'll talk about yes. <laughs> today. Excellent. But look, um, I was always interested in sort of natural health and um, I've never been fanatical about diet, but I was always interested in not having a dreadful diet. Yes. I used to do things like reflexology a little bit when I was in my very early 20s. But as you said, I, my professional career initially was in uh, company finance and financial accounting. But um, a time came when I decided to change. And so I started first practicing very simply um, in the Armadale in New South Wales of all places in 1984. Right. And um, then moved to Victoria in 1985 and uh, kept going from there. So um, I first started with things like uh, flower essences, tissue salts, and of course, vitamins, minerals. But as soon as I came across homeopathy, I fell in love with it. Yes. And, uh, uh, that's been my main passion, although I still have a great respect for all of the natural medicine modalities. They're all wonderful and, and everything can contribute. Um, you know, no one modality can do everything for everyone. Absolutely. So, uh, we need to work together always. 
And as I mentioned in my intro how I used you, that uh, the first aid kit and that, that little book that you were author of, The Treatment of Simple Everyday Conditions, when my children were little because I felt like with homeopathy, it's the compliance is very, very high. Kids are happy to open their mouths for a little pill or, a, you know, some drops of homeopathy because homeopathic medicines rather because it's tasteless or slightly sweet even with the pills. So um, do you find that people tend to use homeopathy with younger children mostly or is it across the board, like just varies? Oh, it varies. It's very much across the board. Uh, And you're right, uh, almost every child loves little homeopathic pillules. I mean, the base is usually sucrose uh, and in other words, they are like little lollies, yes, uh, healthy lollies, one would say. And occasionally, of course, people do use um, drops which have a bit of alcohol in them. And yeah. a lot of parents aren't too comfortable giving alcohol to tiny infants. So, uh, the, yeah, the pills are usually very well accepted. In fact, I always tell parents that they need to hide them, particularly <laughs> yes. with my immunization <laughs> program because uh, – Every now and again, I get a, a frantic mum calling up, little Johnny's just swallowed the whole bottle of whooping cough. Well, <laughs> it's only one dose. That's one of the lovely things about um, homeopathy. It's only one dose. It's nothing to be worried about. That's they just right. might have a sugar high for a few hours. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And look, we, we I first met you in your home and uh, years and years ago. So my children are 18 and 14 now, but we used homeoprophylaxis. Oh, wow. um, we used your, yeah, homeoprophylaxis for our children um, as a way okay. to, I guess, immunize them or you know naturally um and yep. you're right they they we spoke about it just recently because i was talking to them about having this interview with you and and jasmine said oh, i remember it mum you used to tell us to open our mouths and, and you know hold it under our tongues and we used to love it it was like having lollies <laughs> it's like great yeah very much so yeah beats having well, an injection i, I designed sure. my um my first homeoprophylaxis program in 1985 Wow. So that's a few years ago now. <laughs> Amazing. So so let's explain please explain to the audience what are homeopathics? Yeah, so I mean homeopathy in general is one of the modalities of what we might call natural medicine and really the the thing that differentiates natural medicine from say pharmaceutical medicine is that natural medicine is designed to stimulate or encourage or assist the body's own self-healing mechanism to behave in a particular way, but basically to restore balance or homeostasis as they call it. Whereas pharmaceutical medicine is very much aimed at controlling the physical functions of the body or in some cases the psychological or emotional functions. But it's, it's more a matter of control and forcing something onto the system rather than trying to stimulate the body's own corrective position. Right. So we often find, for example, with chronic diseases in particular, that even with something like PTSD, um, but also with vaccine injury, uh, they're all traumas and uh, people can have a whole range of different traumas, a car accident, a bereavement, a, a marriage breakup, even moving home and, and losing contact with friends and family. Mm. They all can create layers of distress. And so what the homeopathics in chronic disease are particularly trying to do are to remove those blocks caused by those layers of distress. And that allows the body's own self-healing mechanism to Mm. do the job. And that's the best way to have it done because it's permanent. Absolutely. Uh, If you know, if the body can heal itself, that's what we want. 
Absolutely. And it so can, right? You just need to give it the right environment. Um, but I know, well, I mean... That's right. Yeah. And I mean, the ones I think back now to all the times we opened up that kid and, you know, Arnica was used and even up until now, like I've got a son who likes biking, so he still gets injured and we still give him Arnica. That's <laughs> the best thing ever. Yep. Um, oh, but, absolutely. Yeah. But talk to us about the law of similars. So the law of similars or the principle of similars, as some prefer to call it, yep. uh, this was observed by many old healers, even before Dr. Hunneman, who uh, was the founder of homeopathy 240 years ago, roughly, uh, but back as far as Paracelsus and even the old Egyptians, there's some evidence that they and the Greeks had some inkling of the principle or law of similars. Yes. And that, when it comes to treatment, basically says that something which can cause symptoms in a healthy person can remove similar symptoms in an unhealthy person. So to give you a simple example, if you swallowed something that was poisonous, you might get ipecac syrup from the chemist. You you take that and it causes you to vomit. In other words, to expel the contents of the stomach and get rid of the toxic material. Yes. But ipecac in homeopathic potency is one of the major remedies for nausea and vomiting. Right. But when you look up the homeopathic books, there's about 600 remedies for nausea and vomiting. Yes. The thing that distinguishes ipecac is that the people who need ipecac have a clean, moist tongue. And usually when the, the gastrointestinal tract is upset, the tongue is coated. Right. So that's quite unusual. So often you'll find homeopaths with first aid prescribing in particular, but even with chronic prescribing, looking for those unusual sort of unexpected symptoms. They're the ones that are really, really important when it comes to uh, deciding what remedy is beneficial. Principle of similars is matching as closely as we can. Right. So I kind of liken it to like snake bites with anti-venom. Is that a fair analogy? Mm. So if you get bitten by a snake, mm. what they inject you with is an antivenom, which is actually made from the venom that, that snake bit you with in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit different, actually. No, okay. It's, like, like, it's a, similar to likening uh, homeoprophylaxis or homeopathic immunization to vaccination. Right. That they sound kind of a bit alike, but they're yes. actually very, very different. Yeah, okay. So it's... It's not the best analogy, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. No, I want you to help me out here. So, because when I explain it to people, I kind of explain it as energy medicine. It's derived from the disease or the symptom or whatever it is, and it's it's created from that. And so when you're treating like for like, that's how homeopathics... No, well, that's not correct. It's not derived from the disease. Okay, explain. This is the whole thing, particularly with treatment. Yep. So very, very rarely do we use... Um, remedies that are derived from the disease. Okay. So, for example, with whooping cough, a remedy derived from the disease is called the nozo. Right. Or that remedy, pertussin. Yes. Now, that's the remedy we use to prevent whooping cough. Now, occasionally, and this is a very important point with COVID, occasionally nozodes can also be useful if a person's had a particular infectious disease and has never fully recovered. And we're starting to hear more and more stories coming out about people who have been had COVID five or six months ago and they yes. just can't get better. Yes. Well, if we could get a nose out of COVID, that would be the perfect remedy to give those people. But most of the time when we're treating, say, whooping cough, we're using remedies like Drosera or Cuprin. You know, there, there's dozens and dozens of remedies that can be useful for treating uh, whooping cough and none of them are derived from the disease. They're all derived from plants or minerals. 
Right. So what what we're matching is energy. So it's nothing to do with exactly having the disease in there or being used or modified in somehow. Occasionally with immunization or, as I said, occasionally with clearing old infectious diseases, the the nozos or the remedies from the diseases are very, very useful. But most of the time we're matching an energy in nature, in a plant or in a mineral, which is similar to the energy of the disease you're trying to treat or prevent. Excellent. It's interesting, you see, like there's a, a, a plant pulsatilla, and yes, I bet that's in I your first it, aid It is, kit. it is, yep. Yep, <laughs> and you would have used it for things like Many ear times. congestion or yep. yellow runny mucousy noses. Um, but pulsatilla is one of the best remedies to both treat and prevent measles ah. and rubella. Yep. And, of course, being a plant, it's got no direct relationship with either of those two diseases. So it's the principle of similars is similars on an energetic level. Energetic. And Love we, it. We know, we know how to find out about that energetic level by testing these medicines on healthy people, ah. which we call provings. Yes. And, in fact, Dr. Hunneman did some of the first ever randomized plant, uh, placebo-controlled trials doing provings. Not that orthodox medicine would ever acknowledge that. No, of course not. <laughs> that's, that's, how that's, that's the similarity we're looking at. Okay. So how are they manufactured then? Well, usually uh, it goes through a process of dilution and succussion. Yes. So in other words, uh, the manufacturer, and that can be done by homeopaths for some uh, disease, uh, some remedies, but other remedies must be done in controlled laboratory conditions. Right. Uh, they would start with one drop of the uh, original substance, maybe yes. a drop of pulsatilla juice. Yes. And add to that 99 drops of alcohol or alcohol and water. Yes. And succuss, which is banging it yes. against the firm surface. Yes. Then they take one drop of that 99 succuss, 199 succuss. Wow. When you get to 12C, well, 12 times doing that, you reach something called Avogadro's number in physics, which means that there are no molecules in theory of that original substance left. Wow. And this, of course, is why orthodox people say homeopathy can't work. Yes. Because they only acknowledge things with molecules. Yes. But, of course, we're now with nanotechnology, we're now getting submolecular. And this may be one area where uh, homeopathy will eventually come into the mainstream in terms of evidence or proof that of the mechanism of action. See, we've got a lot of proof that it does work. Yes. What we don't have proof of is how it works. Yeah, right. There are people around the world, physicists mainly, who are working with water molecules and working with nanoparticles. Yes. And somewhere in those two uh, bodies of science, we're going to get an answer, I'm sure. Amazing. Whether I'll still be alive or not, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> uh, we know that it does work because there's so much evidence that's been collected. Absolutely. And I know firsthand, we've had many experiences, even with just rescue remedy for, you know, a time when the children were nervous doing a music exam or something like that. Um, yeah, there's, it's incredible and, and it's effective pretty pretty quickly as well. Like we noticed, um, yep. well, yeah. Go on. Of course, rescue remedy is not a homeopathic. Okay. Uh, but it is an energetic medicine in the sense it's a flower essence. Yes. So for exams, I use things like Argentum nitricum. If the person's mind is racing, 
or gelsemium if their yes. mind goes blank. And those two remedies uh, will cover almost all cases of pre-exam nerves for right. uh, parents who are getting ready for the VCE exams. I guess we're still going to have them this year. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I've got a son in year 12. So, yes, exactly. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, amazing. But if you haven't got them, then the rescue remedy is great. Okay. Absolutely. Amazing. And, yeah, and so the, that's the thing. Like you notice the effectiveness straight straight away, especially with teething as well. Um, when the children were, yes. were babies, like, you know, they'd be pulling at their ears and they'd be all red and, you know, sore and, and you'd give them the drops and it's like pretty much instantaneous response. If it's the right remedy, it'll work very, very quickly. If yeah. it's the wrong remedy, of course, it won't work. Yes, like with anything. But, yeah, amazing. So, okay, so basically um, it's the energetics of – the, the remedy, basically. Of the substance. The substance, yeah. yeah. Amazing. What we're doing is, met, met, is matching the energy profile of the substance with the energetic needs as distributed or shown by symptoms yes. of the patient. So we know what remedy to give based on the symptom picture, yes. which is how the disease is manifesting itself in that particular patient. And that's why... You might have a dozen people with whooping cough. Yes. And between them, they might need six or seven different remedies because right. not everyone manifests the particular disease the same in way. the same way. Correct. And that's yeah. why they need different remedies. We're all individual. And and the same with like, I mean, you pretty much covered it, but like a child with gastro, for example, you can use a remedy which treats similar symptoms like for food poisoning, right? Yeah. So in other words, a remedy like Nux Vomica yep. is good for a person who's constipated and has to strain, whereas a remedy like Podophyllum would be good for a person who's got diarrhea with a yellowy coloured stool. But if it was a different coloured stool, uh, Podophyllum would not be the right remedy. So it's really a matter of getting as close to all of the symptoms, the symptom picture. Yes. Uh, in an acute disease, like constipation or diarrhea, if it is acute, then um, it's much easier because you might only have four or five symptoms. In a chronic case, it can be very complex because a person might have dozens and dozens of symptoms. Yes. And you're going to try and match them because those symptoms in a chronic case will be on the mental, emotional and the physical level. Often the, the, uh, the need for arnica, for example, that you mentioned, that's because someone's dropped a brick on their foot yeah. and they've got a sore foot. Yes. That's easy. Um, some, um, some acute conditions are a little bit more uh, difficult, like, for example, uh, the remedy aconite. Yes. In some sort of acute traumas, people go into shock and they have this fear of death. And aconite is a specific for that. Uh, really amazing. And what, actually, when I first started practicing in Geelong, uh, this is well over 30 years ago now, one of the first cases that really stood out to me uh, was a case where uh, the, the young lady who was doing massage, her boyfriend was a tow truck driver. Right. And one, a big tough guy. And one day she brought him into the clinic and his head was down and he was mumbling. He had just attended a horrific accident where people had been killed and, you know, it Goodness. was really, really horrifying. And all he could do, he sat in the chair with his head down and he was just whispering to me, I feel I want to die. Wow. I feel I want to die. I, I gave him aconite and literally within five minutes he was 
back up. Looking up, he was, yeah. you know, standing up and after an hour he was fine. Wow. So that's what we mean by matching. Yes. You know, on the level that's needed. A physi- uh, An acute trauma is not always physical at times. It can be uh, in- emotional, intellectual. Absolutely. So talk to us about homeoprophylaxis because essentially that's like a preventative, isn't it? Like you use Well, that's effectively homeopathic immunization. Yes. So homeo means similar, prophylaxis means prevention. So in other words, it's prevention using the principle of similars. Um, now, Hahnemann first used homeoprophylaxis in 1798. And by the way, vaccines were first used in 1796. So they've both been around for over uh, 220 years, almost the same length of time. Hunneman's first use was of the remedy Belladonna, a very common remedy. That would be in your first aid kit as well. Yes, very familiar. The sudden sudden onset fevers where the person doesn't sweat and where their eyes are kind of glazed and they've got a really, really burning hot head but it's dry and their eyes are glassy and you give them belladonna, that brings on the sweat. And as soon as they start sweating, you know, you're fine. Yes. But it is also a very good remedy for scarlet fever. Right. And there was a, an, an outbreak of scarlet fever in Hunnemann's region of Germany at the time. Yeah. And he, um, he found that he was treating people uh, with the remedy belladonna. Now, it was coming into a different part and there was a, a family in the new part of the area where the, the disease was entering and one of the, the family members had been taking the remedy Belladonna for a different reason and she ended up not getting the disease when it hit that area. Right. And then Hunnaman thought, wow, I've been using Belladonna to treat it. This person has been taking Belladonna already yes. and it's prevented it. Amazing. And then he started to experiment and he found that Belladonna would prevent scarlet fever. And then following uh, that, some of the great masters from Bonninghausen and through to, to Kent, etc., cetera, uh, started making extensive use of homeoprophylaxis and they found there was great success, remedies like typhoid, typhus, cholera, all the things that we regard as overseas travel diseases were the first ones that HP started with. Yes. And um, when I, I actually got into natural medicine partly because one of my children, many years before I knew what homeopathy was, uh, was vaccine injured. And so I stopped vaccinating and I started researching vaccination. And then when I found out about homeopathy, um, I finally started to read Hunneman's own writings. And to my amazement, he had this essay, The Cure and Prevention of Scarlet Fever. And so that really was a life changer for me because I just thought, I didn't hear about it from any of my teachers yes. because it was hardly ever mentioned, even in homeopathic circles back then. Right. But I got every resource I could, which was very few, and designed, as I said, in 1985, my first HP program because I just felt if I'd had this information before I'd vaccinated my own child, yes. at least I would have had choices. Yes. I may not have chosen it, yeah. but at least I would have had choices. And so... I just believe then that uh, I should make that option available to people. I also realized that there was very little statistical evidence, and this is where my earlier economics training was useful. So Mm. I started collecting data. And then in 2008, I was very fortunate. uh, I was invited by 
a, a government institute in Cuba uh, to visit and uh, I was lead speaker at a conference they organized late in 2008 uh, and it was about homeopathic prophylaxis. Mm. And so I got there and I presented my uh, findings that I'd been, data I'd been collecting for many, many years and everyone was very happy that, and I'd looked at thousands of people and then the Cubans got up and presented what they had and they talked about 2.2 million people. Wow. And I was sitting there with my mouth open like a kid in a lolly shop <laughs> uh, thinking, my God, you know, 2.2 million. That's I couldn't do that in a dozen lifetimes in Australia. Yeah. And what I found out was once again, to my amazement, they'd invited me there to um, speak at the conference because they'd been using my protocol, wow. which I'd published. and were available internationally. And I went back to Cuba another three times after that, uh, collecting data and working with the people at Finlay Institute. And and from 2015 onwards, I've been to India five times doing the same thing, collecting data. And so now we have an enormous um, database of evidence. Mm. And the latest data that I published in a few articles in uh, last year was in uh, evidence about HP in about 60 million people and over 250 million uh, immunization. So we've gone in 35 years from having hardly any data to now having a a huge amount. And it shows that the the method's not perfect, it's not 100% effective, nothing is. But we can expect protection between about 85 and 90%. And that's just as good as you get with vaccines. Yes, but without damage without any damage. Yeah. And with COVID, they're expecting if there is a vaccine, it'll probably be about 40 to 60% effective. So the homeoprophylaxis is likely to be double that. Amazing. And is it recognised by mainstream, the mainstream? Like, you know, there's, I mean, obviously it's seen as an alternative or natural medicine, as you said earlier. So what what are you up against? Well, in Australia, unfortunately, we have one of the most closed health systems on the planet. Mm. Now, we have a wonderful acute emergency healthcare system and the doctors and nurses who work in the ICUs and emergency medicine um, departments, uh, my hat goes off to them. They're just amazing. But when it comes to chronic disease, Australia has an epidemic of chronic disease, which leaves COVID miles behind. Right. You know, the data shows that at least Two-thirds of all Australians, and it's probably closer to three-quarters, have at least one chronic disease, and 40% of young children under 15 years of age have at least one chronic disease. It's terrible. Now, you know, if we had a single um, disease like the flu or COVID or anything else with those figures, there'd be panic. You know, the lockdowns they're going through now would be nothing. Yes. But we have that when it comes to chronic disease. So... The reason why Australia and so many other countries are like this is because, unfortunately, the health systems in our country have been captured by the pharmaceutical drug cartel. Yes. Now, some people think that's a conspiracy theory, but I can assure you it's not. It was studied by the Harvard University Law School. And, you know, the Harvard University Law School is one of the most prestigious law schools in the world. Yeah. And they did a five-year research program, which they published. It's still available for free on the internet. And if people just want to Google it, they can just Google Harvard University Pharmaceutical Corruption. Okay. And they will find it all there. It was done in an what they call an ethics lab. 
the Edwin Safra Ethics Lab and the um, Harvard University Law School, and they just exposed everything, every little tentacle Amazing. of this really dreadful, dark, deceptive organization that we can put down as pharmaceutical uh, yeah, you know, corporations. Pharma. But how they get into every part of the health system. It's disgusting. And this is the problem with our COVID-19 response in Australia. It's yes. why we have needed and have gone to lockdowns and masks and all these other things. Um, in fact, the Health Australia Party has put out a position paper, which is freely available on our website, Yes, talking about the pathway out of COVID where we can live alongside COVID and any other infectious disease yep. without needing all these harsh things Absolutely. by using the best of integrative medicine. Yes. And, you know, I did a, a, a town hall with a, a group of American doctors, a couple of American doctors a few weeks ago. And they're both integrative medicine doctors. And they, one of them in particular, Dr. Brownstein, who's very well known in this country, um, he's published quite a lot of books. Uh, he was talking about how his very big clinic was treating hundreds of people with COVID. Right. And most of them were in a high-risk category. And they prevented them the need for them to go to hospital. They didn't need to go to ICU yeah. because they were using methods that we could use now. The simplest example Actually, Vicky, is vitamin D. Yes. In other words, yeah. vitamin D is one of the most effective ways of either preventing COVID or certainly, if you get it, minimizing the long-term risk. Absolutely. And if, if people, all our elderly citizens in the, um, you know, the, the retirement homes and villages, if they were all taking a lot of vitamin D appropriately because it needs balance with other vitamins like vitamin K, yep. uh, the, the incidence of death in, and severe ICU in admissions would be significantly yes, less. Yeah. But can we allow to talk about it? No. no exactly. I had a, a, a colleague uh, who was a, an integrative medicine doctor. Recently, he's had his registration suspended by ARPA because he dared to talk about these sort of things. It's, it's disgusting. It, it is. is really, really dreadful. Oh, my goodness. And so what about Friends of Science? Do they support homeopathy? <laughs> Um, they're probably the most inappropriately named lobby group <laughs> on the planet. They should be seriously called the Friends of Pharmaceuticals yes, and Medicine. Not exactly. The it should be Fossum, not Fossum. <laughs> they were formed in 2013 and their first task, which they nominated for themselves, was to remove uh, any research in our universities on natural medicines and to prevent our universities from teaching natural medicine. And they've Goodness. been fairly successful. So these people, it's the antithesis of science. Yeah. They, they claim that they're, oh, they, they only want evidence-based medicine. And the whole hypocrisy of it is that there is a huge amount of evidence for yes. all of the modalities in natural medicine. Yes. And when you actually look at the evidence base of pharmaceutical medicine, it's a lot less rigorous than they like to make out. Yeah. So it's the most hypocritical uh, organization available. But the problem is they have access to politicians. Of course. They have access to our research institutes. And so the NHMRC has been polluted by these people. Yeah. And they brought out a whole range of research projects talking about how ineffective uh, natural medicines are. But all of them have been constructed using fraudulent science, not real 
genuine, open, transparent science. Yeah. That's another story. I could talk for an hour on that. But of course. Obviously won't. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It makes it difficult for natural therapists. I mean, I know even with my husband, he's an, an acupuncturist and, and even my oh. chiropractor that, you know, it's, they're very limited with what they can say and even any testimonials or anything like that are forbidden basically. So, um, yeah, it's yep. a, it's it's yep. it's challenging. But talk to us about COVID for a moment. So, would you do you have you treated or have you um, prescribed any preventatives for COVID? Uh, if I had, I wouldn't be allowed to say anything about okay. that, and so I must not okay. say anything about that. <laughs> what I can say is that when you look around the world, yep. go look to Cuba again, for example. They are uh, the government there. The government not yeah. the Homeopathic yeah. Association, has made the decision that they're not going to waste billions of dollars on vaccine. Great. They have already immunized most of Cuba against COVID. Mm. And when you look at the figures, I looked at the uh, national, the international figures the other day, their deaths per million are 11, wow. which is less half of Australia. That's insane. Um, Amazing. The, the world average is around 30 yeah. deaths per million. Yeah. Uh, so the Cubans are doing very well. And the thing I love about Cuba is that the government there allows the doctors there to use what's best for the patient. Mm. So if they want to use drugs, yep. they can use drugs. Yep. But if they want to use Alternatives. Uh, traditional Chinese medicine, yep. herbal medicine, homeopathy, nutrition, they can. Amazing. And that's what we need here. Absolutely. And with homeopathy, if you look around the world, I'm the Australian representative for LMHI, which is the association of doctors who are also homeopaths internationally. Right. And I'm not a, a GP, but because there was no one else here uh, who was put their hand up, they invited me to do it because I've lectured to LMHI people. Yeah. And um, so I hear what the doctors, not just the lay homeopaths, the doctors yeah. are doing. Yeah. And they're having wonderful results treating uh, COVID in other countries. Unfortunately, in Australia, we are not allowed to do that. So what about the common usages then? So let's talk about most common usages of homeopathy and what do you see, um, yeah, on a regular basis? Like do you see, uh, do people come to you for, um, you know, the common colds or preventing the flu or what do you see a lot of? Well, look, these days, I'm not typical because most of the patients I have these days are vaccine-injured children. Right. So people with children who are autistic or yeah. ADHD, Asperger's, global developmental delay, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that's what I've sort of special... That's the other side of the coin. You see, one side of the coin is homeopathic immunization. Yeah. The other side is... Reversing Treating vaccine-injured children. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, they go together because, you know, to prevent vaccine injury, you can immunize homeopathically. So, but normally in the past, I used to see a bit of everything um, and psychological problems to, um, you know, sore feet. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, it can be anything at all, skin rashes, you, you name it. Um, basically, homeopathy can, for most things, offer some assistance. Now, when if someone comes in and they've obviously got a spinal problem, I'll tell them to see a chiropractor. Yeah. Because you know, taking a pill is not if their spine's uh, you know being knocked out of uh, alignment, they need someone with the skill to put it back in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so 
you know, it, homeopathy can't do everything, but generally it can help with most chronic and acute conditions. Yeah. And what about contraindications? I mean, the, the answer is uh, if it's not the best modality, then you should use the best modality. Yes. Yeah, understand. <laughs> and, uh, but apart in terms of uh, is it contraindicated, like her, a lot of herbal medicines, there can be potential interactions yes. with drugs. Yes. Pharmaceuticals. Generally, it's not the case with homeopathy, generally. Yeah. But there's always a few situations. Uh, you need to be careful. You need to know what you're doing when you're dealing with, say, like, let me give you a simple example, like a thyroid problem. Yes. Now, there's a very good uh, little homeopathic protocol I use for people with underactive thyroid. Right. But if someone came in and said, I've got a thyroid problem, and you just gave them that, it could be very inappropriate if, in fact, their problem was a hyperactive thyroid, yes. an overactive yeah. thyroid, and vice versa. I mean, there's a very good approach for overactive thyroid, but if you gave that to someone with an underactive thyroid, um, it would be totally inappropriate. So, obviously, you've got to make sure, in some cases, uh, that you're doing the right approach because depending on what potency and frequency you use, it can work in, in the body in quite different ways. Yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting. I mean, most of the ways we, we give and prescribe homeopathy are like what you talked about. In other words, someone's got a, a runny nose or a fever or whatever. Um, it's pretty straightforward. You give the remedy and, and if it's the right remedy, it'll help a lot. Yes. Um, in other cases, it, it's, it is more difficult and you've got to take – well, you always should take everything that's relevant into account, but sometimes, um, you know, you need to be careful with the pace at which you go, for example. So if you're detoxing someone, yeah, um, that can be very appropriate to do, but if you go too quickly, it can cause enormous distress. Right. I'll tell you one of the hardest things to, to treat, and that is a person who comes in with a skin problem and they've used cortisone cream for oh, years. Ah, goodness. Because there's been so much Build suppression. Oh, right. All yep. of that has to come out. Yeah. And in fact, um, Professor George Vithulkas, one of the most famous, he's much more famous than I am, living homeopaths, in one of his books, he actually says homeopaths should not treat people who have used a lot of cortisone. And right. when it comes to a homeopaths without experience, he's right because they can be just dreadful cases to treat because somewhere along the line, all of the suppression yeah. from the cortisone has to be externalized. Of course. And if you don't do it slowly and carefully, yeah. it can be very distressing for the patient. Yeah, of course. So in that type of case, it would get worse before it got better, obviously. Yeah, it would. And the aim is to try and minimize the extent to which it gets worse. Yep understand. In other words, to be as gentle as we can be. Yep. Amazing. So what's your hope for homeopathy in the future? It's the same as my hope for natural medicine in the future. I mean, the, the reason I co-founded the Health Australia Party in 2015 was because of the unrelenting attacks on all forms of natural medicine. Yes. Homeopathy probably cops it more than uh, most of the other forms, but yeah. All of the forms of natural medicine are under attack in this country. Yes. And I wanted us to try and get uh, some people in parliaments who can stand up and show the other politicians things that they're not being told by the health bureaucrats because the health bureaucrats 
have all been trained by the pharmaceutical drug cartel. Yes. And so they come from a position where vaccines and drugs are the only alternatives. Mm. And we hear this with COVID. Yeah. Um, but the politicians need to hear because let's face it, most politicians are ignorant about health. Totally. Uh, and I don't say that in a pejorative way. I mean that in they it's not their fault. They haven't studied it. That's right. And they rely on what they're being told That's by right. their bureaucrats. Yep. So um, that's the reason why I formed the the Health Australia Party, and we've had we've struggled. You know, we've had a lot of attacks um, from the media, from health, you know, FSM and the AMA, and the Greens, and a few other places you wouldn't expect. Yeah. But um, the that's the way I think we have to move forward. If we can't get a voice in parliaments around the country, I don't actually see a very bright future for a lot of natural medicines. It's, mm. it's very, very difficult. Um, and uh, we need politicians of intelligence and courage to take on the drug cartels. And we don't have a lot of politicians of intelligence and courage, no. to be honest. It's interesting. You know, oh, to be in a world where we can combine the two, like you're saying, in Cuba and give the patient the real choice of using either or all options available to them. You know, Absolutely. And I mean, at times, drugs are what's needed. Yeah. I sometimes have patients who have been prescribed an antibiotic and they don't want to take it because that's against their philosophy and I tell them, take it. Yeah, you know the situation you're in yep. right now. You might be living in the bush. Yes. You may not have a, a natural therapist close by, or yep. you may not have access to the remedies you need. Yeah, if the antibiotic's going to save your life or yep. save you a lot of suffering, yep. take it. Yep, you know, exactly. a very very rare occasions a vaccine might be the the most appropriate thing. Mm. But I can't can't imagine many to be honest. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so particularly me. since we've got such a good option. But exactly. you know, we've got to be open to all options and, totally. and we should be allowed to access all options. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about are you seeing more vaccine damage as the schedule has increased over the years? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. The numbers are unambiguous. Wow. And so what are the most common things that you see amongst children who have been damaged by vaccines? Well, the most common things I see, as I said before, are uh, children on the spectrum, yeah. ADHD, yep. uh, Asperger's, those sorts of things. But when I first started, you know, say 30 years ago, the most common things I'd see would be asthma and eczema right? Yep. and um, epilepsy. Uh, because one of the vaccines in particular is a, quite an affinity to epilepsy. Right. Um, and But as the vaccine schedule has, ex, has expanded, yep. more and more things uh, involving the brain have been involved. So when I first started, ADHD was kind of around a bit. Yeah. But autism, you didn't hit, I didn't see anyone with autism. Yeah, right. But these days, it's the opposite. I mean... There's so many cases of autism. In fact, I was listening to a um, just heard a snippet of a program about the um, disability insurance scheme, the national scheme, and they were talking about how autism is going to overwhelm the national disability oh insurance scheme in a decade. And that's not surprising no. because the rates are blowing out of control. It's crazy. Now, it, it is treatable in many cases, but in some cases it isn't. And um, that's the tragedy of it all. But the other tragedy is that, you know, the, 
we don't, people are not being allowed to make informed decisions, decisions that's right. about what they do with their children yep. in both treatment and prevention. Yeah. And uh, that's leading to so many problems. Absolutely. But look, basically, vaccine damage can occur on any level, any level, and uh, physical, mental, or emotional. Of course. And so your approach would be what to detoxify the body? No, no. I'm a little bit different to say a naturopathic approach, which would be to use things to try and do a general detox. Yeah. Um, maybe things like zeolite or stuff like that. Yeah. With my approach, I very, very specifically target um, the vaccine, which appears to have caused the problem. Right. And uh, there are specific remedies to do that. And so I work on that. But I also do, uh, from time to time, get uh, people to do, um, say, a hair mineral analysis or yes. uh, an oligo scan to determine the, the profile of heavy metals in yep. the system because yep. that can cause very similar symptoms as well. Yep. Uh, and I have no problems, by the way, if people are detoxing or using special diets. Um, I have a powder which I pinched from a, an old um, uh, Dutch doctor who was also a homeopath, Dr. Tinnis Smith, a wonderful guy. He's dead now, unfortunately, but right. um, he designed this... Uh, this formula, nutritional formula to help detoxify the brain. And so I use that on some patients. Um, so I'm not against any method. And quite often I get referrals from um, patients who have been using orthomolecular medicine. Yep. Uh, in other words, nutritional and diet-based approaches. And they've, they've seen improvements, but Amazing. the improvements are sort of leveled out. They haven't kept going. Right. And when we actually come in with these specific remedies to knock out the effect of the vaccines that yep. are the cause, then the the rest of the cure is completed. But sometimes I've got patients where uh, all of the cure is just homeopathic and other times uh, the, the, the person isn't cured. Mm. So unfortunately, I'd love to be able to say I've got a 100% cure rate. In fact, with something like autism, it's probably 70%. Just still so, amazing. You know, we've got to, we've got to acknowledge our failures as well as our successes. Absolutely. But what about like you mentioned before about the powder for the brain? Um, can a normal person without any damage take that just as a means of like I guess prevention or to help with their the brain health or their longevity? Uh, well, <laughs> it, I don't know about prevention. <laughs> this show is um, all about longevity, Isaac. So whatever you've got for us. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes, I forgot. Sorry, I forgot, Vicky. I apologise. <laughs> Um, look, uh, it, well, put it this way, um, it would not hurt anyone yep. um, if a person had a minimal level of intoxication of anything yep. that may have affected the brain. And let's face it, fluoride um, exactly. you know, in our water supply can affect the brain. Yep. Uh, the brain can be affected by many things. Yes. Uh, but if there was a, uh, if a person really felt they wanted to do a bit of brain detox, this yep. wouldn't hurt. Yeah, right. I think you've got a whole new program ready for us, Isaac. Uh, <laughs> for those that well, want to live to 120. Yeah. But <laughs> I am not making a therapeutic claim, Vicky. Otherwise, <laughs> the next interview will be from jail. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the way the TGA is. <laughs> but, but tell uh, us, yeah. is, is there something that we can take on the daily, like, you know, as a preventative or to help with, you know, because I guess the whole oh. thing for me is about living longer and stronger, happier, healthier, but in right. a state of wellness until 120. And, and completely I have the cognizant. perfect remedy. Do you? Okay. <laughs> what is it? Yep. It costs 
It costs nothing. <laughs> Tell and me. You need to do it daily. Yes. Um, it's called peace of mind. Yes. That is <laughs> the thing that will make you live longer and happier than any amount of True. shoving in vitamin pills and, and minerals and homeopathics and herbs, so all of true. which are wonderful. Yep. But peace of mind will give you better health than anything else. Yeah. Now, is there a magic pill for that? No. <laughs> but there are pills that will help if your lifestyle, if your uh, life experience have caused you to be out of balance yes. on the mental, emotional level. Yeah. There are things that can help bring you back, back to balance. Yeah. Um, but in terms of longevity and something that you want to do every day, um, then practicing forgiveness, yes. practicing um, appreciation. To me, they're the two things uh, that really lead to, more than anything else, peace of mind and good health. If every day you get up and you thank whatever or whoever you want to thank, yes, um, whether it be your big foot or God yeah, or anywhere yeah, or yeah. anything in between, yeah. for the blessings that you have. And even if you get up feeling miserable and think, you know, I, I'm being screwed every day by so many people and things, there still is something good. Yes. So appreciate what's there and forgive. Mm. Forgive others and forgive yourself, which is really important. Yeah. And a lot of people don't forgive themselves. Yes. And guilt is one of the most, uh, you know, aging yeah. things that can happen. Totally. Uh, if you do that every day, then your need for pills and potions will be minimalized. Yep. But there's some wonderful pills and potions out there if you want to add a bit on, or you find that forgiveness and appreciation uh, are difficult. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So do they go into your top three tips to living a longer, stronger, happier, healthier life? Or have you got Absolutely. Yeah, have you got one more for us? Mm. What, do you, uh, what about the, for the you? One like, thing, go on. I, well, the one thing I always take these days uh, is vitamin D. Yeah. And I always try and take some sort of an omega, like a krill oil or something like that. Yeah. So in terms of things to pop in my mouth, they're the two things that um, I personally try and take every day. Mm. Now, another thing I do take every day, but not because I want to, because I need to, is um, something for my right knee, which uh, was meant to be operated on a few years ago, but I managed to save it and not need the op. But wow. I damaged it from rugby 100 years ago. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so uh, I've used to take uh, a glucosamine-chondrosamine combination yep. and that kept it going. And then some, oh, about a year and a half ago, I stopped for some reason. And uh, about six months later, I got to the point where I actually saw a knee surgeon in Melbourne. Yes. And he said, he was a very good guy. He didn't want to operate straight away. He said, no, look, try and give it a little bit longer and we'll see how we go. And I thought, I really got to take this seriously. So I went back on that. And I also used a special cream. My wife has a sear um, cream, and uh, on the knee, which I never thought it was would help, but it it made a very big difference quickly. Great! And now I'm playing golf twice a week. I'm climbing up and down my steep little hills here, Lovely. collecting wood and whippersnipping, and so that I take every day because I, if I stop, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Amazing. And just um just on the uh, just a final note regarding covid. So your recommendation for yep. people would be lots of vitamin D, good diet. So there's a remedy that the um 
the homeopaths in India are given. In fact, Mr. Modi, the Prime Minister of India, has had this as a immunisation. It's a remedy arsenicum album, and I'm finding a lot of people are needing it. Yep. Because not only does it fit the, uh, many of the physical symptoms of COVID, one of the major things with arsenicum album is fear, and particularly yeah, yes. fear of health yep. and anxiety exactly. around health. And a lot of it. Many people are needing it. Now, that doesn't mean everyone listening to your program will need it. But if you have a lot of anxiety come up because of all this COVID, it could be a very good remedy. Yeah. But really, you should be your, home, your homeopath to um, yep. uh But that's probably uh, a very useful remedy. Look, we have options. Unfortunately, uh, we can't talk about them. Um, but when you look around the world, um, you can see what homeopaths are doing in other countries. Amazing. Let me put it that way. Amazing. And turn off the television. That always helps people who are fearing. <laughs> well, I'm be watching. Uh, I'm afraid I've got three big nights coming up yes. because I'm a mad sports fan. So I've got Melbourne Storm tonight. Ooh. I've got Geelong <laughs> on uh, Saturday night and I've got uh, the, the rugby uh, versus New Zealand, which is my old sport. Amazing. Um, on Sunday. So <laughs> my wife has left and she's gone to Melbourne. Good on um, her. We, wise woman. And uh, <laughs> she's a very wise woman. But fortunately, we have two TVs. So that keeps the, the household sane. <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. You're amazing. I know we could speak for a lot longer and go deeper into all these topics. But um, overall, tell us where people can find you. Okay. So I'm only. I'm not seeing people face-to-face these days, but people can um, uh, see my webpage. It's homestudy.net, H-O-M-S-T-U-D-Y.net. Three Ws, of course. So don't put the extra in. It's not homestudy, and you can connect with me through the uh, the website. My email's there, and uh, uh, people can see the books that I've written. They can see uh, all the information I've put there about the homeoprophylaxis and treating vaccine injury and things like that. Amazing. Um, and you've also so got thank online you, Vicky. It's been as well, a, right? It's all there. Excellent. Yep. I've got some un- online courses on both of those topics and, uh, and also first aid, things like that as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, Isaac. Enjoy your weekend of sport. And remember, <laughs> yes. forgiveness and, and gratitude. Yes, always. Every day. Thank they, you so that's much. That's what gets us there. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Vicky. Thank you. Take All good the care. very best. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and follow me on our YouTube channel, One Body, One Life, to see more inspirational videos to help you reach optimal wellness and longevity. But until next time, don't forget, you've got to nourish to flourish.